What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the J-Ham Special, where I love to talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40k, Dungeons & Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. My name is John, I'll be your host for this episode of Magic Monday, and as you can tell, my voice is feeling a whole lot better compared to where it was, so yeah, super back to be back and recording for you guys and bring you some of my nerd life content. Like I mentioned on my previous episode, I'm making some changes to the channel. Magic Monday is still going to stick around. I'm going to be putting a little bit more emphasis on it now that some of my local gaming stores in the area are opening up again. I'm getting a chance to play Magic again. I'm still going to talk about Warhammer 40k, still going to talk about Kill Team and Dungeons & Dragons, you know, occasionally. But today, we're focusing on Magic the Gathering. And stemming off again, I want to talk to you guys about building your first deck. And I want to give you a deck tech that I've decided to build that is extremely budget friendly for a lot of people. It's a $10 control deck that is blue and white. Let's go ahead and strap in and let's dive on in as I talk to you about blue white control for a budget magic player. So to start off with, I had to go through a couple different routes on building this deck, and I I kind of spent this morning just working on it, just during my downtime, and I thought, hey, you know what? I want to focus on just an easy deck for people to build that is both blue and white and very beginner-friendly. Honestly, I want to do a couple series where I go through and talk about building a control deck versus building a combo deck versus building a... Um, a aggro deck and so on and so forth and today it's a little more of that control deck so i'm going to kind of go through my thought process on how i started thinking up the deck and what pieces i'm throwing in there too and i'll make sure to put a link in the description where you can find the deck on mtg goldfish so if you want to check it out see the card prices and maybe see a little bit of a primer you can see that there too so the first thing we got to look at are what kind of cards did I want to bring into the deck? And from my perspective, where I started, I said, okay, well, how do I want the deck to play? I want it to play like a control deck. I want to go out and just feel like I am stopping my opponent from being able to do things, deny them, and be able to take out the win in the later game. Um, I really want to control the beginning of the game, and then I want to take my opponent out at the end of the game. So with that control, I already had that on the top of my mind. This is the kind of deck I want to build. Then I decided, okay, well, what kind of win condition do I want to go for here? Some people, you can say, hey, I want to do more of a mill, or I want to do more of like a combo where I play a card that says I win the game, and my control deck allowed me to do that. Other times, your control deck can also beat your opponents down. You can bring their life total from 20 to zero, and that's what I decided to go with for this deck because I feel like that's one of the easiest win conditions for a lot of people that are jumping into the game. So I then said, okay, well, how am I going to go and win like i had to come up with some cards that are actually going to be my win con the things that are going to be able to drop and protect and be able to bring my opponent's life total from that 20 to zero so i start with some classic cards that are super budget um being sarah angel and air elemental now sarah angel is white white three of any other color so it's a five mana creature so you're not playing this game until or you're not playing this creature at least until the game goes to turn five area elemental same thing so it's blue blue three of any other color uh they're both four four flyers the only difference is a sarah angel has vigilance as well so she can attack and defend um 
for me, this harkens back to one of the early control decks where Ser Angel was used as the win condition for it. But my mindset was, yes, we've got that classic nostalgic feel for the deck, and we're bringing out those win conditions for people. But even more so, we have the ability to bring them to the table and bring them to the table pretty cheap because you can find both of these cards in like welcome decks or those little booster battle pack things that you can find nowadays at like Walmart and Target where you buy it, there's two boosters and you get like essentially the welcome deck um, inside of one of the colors. So it's a pretty easy, affordable card on both sides. Air Elemental, it's been reprinted so many freaking times. So you can usually find these things for like a quarter or less easy. Uh, they're both commons been reprinted a ton it's up to you choose your flavor and what you like i know the uh, the paper market's a little bit inflated right now um then once i figured out okay these are my giant win conditions now what am i going to do because i've got to get myself to the late game i've got to get myself to turn five to be able to drop these creatures and be able to swing it at my opponent so i have to figure out some control elements for my deck with that i decided to think of counter spells now good old counter spell the two blue blue target counter target spell i mean counter target spell geez why can i not talk today counter target spell it costs like six bucks a piece um because it's now a modern staple because it's legal and modern which is awesome i love it i've got a full play set of counter spells granted some of them were kind of spread across my my commander decks but um nonetheless that's a little bit too steep for somebody just jumping into the game so I had to figure out something else. I had to figure out what do I want to counter? What is the most important threat that I can worry about when I'm dropping my creatures or other spells? Could be maybe other creatures. Could be maybe non-creature spells. Things like Doomblade that will just, for two mana, kill my Sarah Angel or Air, Air Elemental. Not really a super fun place to be at. So... Let's figure out, okay, those things are both non-creature spells. Most of the things that I'm worried about are going to be non-creature spells because both my Air Elemental and Sarah Angel have flying. They have that piece of evasion that allows them to avoid getting it locked up in combat with my opponent's stuff. So I decided to go with Negate as one of the counter spells, which the thing, again, is pretty cheap. You get it for like 20 cents or less. It's been reprinted to the ground in so many different sets. Um, so, and that's and that's meant. You can find it for like 20 cents if you're buying it from a local gaming store. You might just have a ton of them laying around if you've been playing Magic long enough, but it's there and available to you. And then I started just going through and thinking about all the other counter spells. The one thing with counter spells is that either they're outside of the original OG counter spell, most of them are situational. They only counter a specific kind of thing or they counter anything, but it comes to a cost. So Spell Pierce is one that I really love. It's kind of a modern sideboard staple, I guess, where one blue mana, counter non-creature spell, your opponent has to pay two. Uh, otherwise, the spell actually is countered. Um, mana Leak. Mana Leak was where I was really looking at here, though. I, I just kind of started delving on that side. Mana Leak says counter any target spell. And then... It also has the caveat that essentially it's counter any target spell unless its controller pays three. So three of any other color, that can be pretty steep. And that's going to help me out in the early game with slowing my opponent down. Because yes, the late game, 
my opponent might have six mana available to him. They play a three mana spell. I counter it with a two mana spell, and then they pay the other three mana, and they're able to still drop their thing on the board. I've still slowed them down to agree. I've made things a little bit more difficult for them because of that mana leak. Mana leak's like 25 cents or less right now. So I was like, okay, perfect. That's another play set at a dollar. So I now have several different things in place to help protect me in the long game as far as control wise goes but i had to figure out okay i've got plenty of things that i got you know negate takes care of non-creature spells manleak takes care of anything that i need to but they're both reactive so what do i do to be proactive or what do i do if my opponent actually sticks something on the board that's giving me a really hard time and that's where i thought about all the different white one mana spells this is a playing sarah avenger already i said hey Let's go ahead and look at some white spells. Now, Path to Exile is my go-to for modern. Granted, that thing's like, I think 10 bucks for a full play set. So, I don't know, it's 15 bucks for a full play set, I think. Now, whatever. It, it's high. It's it's more than a dollar for a play set. So, I don't really want to go that route just for beginners again. So, let's look at all the rest of the things that I can bring to the table. Swords of Plowshares. Not really modern legal, but it is a good card if you wanted to go that route. Um... And then I got to one of my earliest cards that I got to play with, and I used it in a ton of different decks budget-wise. It's Oppressive Rays. The way that Oppressive Rays works, um, it's one white mana. You get to choose any target creature and enchant this aura onto it. That enchanted creature cannot attack, and it cannot block unless its controller pays three mana. It also cannot activate any activated abilities unless its controller pays three mana. So this thing does a great job at slowing your opponent down and essentially making their creatures worthless, at least up until turn three. If they really wanted to go through and say, hey, I've got this three mana creature, like maybe Tireless Tracker. Tireless Tracker, that thing can really get huge. Turn three, turn four, turn five, you know, depending on what deck they're building, it can go off pretty well and then it's okay to play three mana. And then uh, swing in with like a 7-6 creature or whatever you decide to go with. Um, that's definitely a viable option. But Oppressive Raise is going to help slow me down. That hopefully even my opponent does get to those larger creatures that are 3 mana or less. And now it's turn 3 or, or that's turn 4 and plus where they can pay the mana. I don't want it to be worthwhile. I, that's Oppressive Raise is saying, hey, if you want to attack or block with your creature... You're going to have to give up your mana. You're going to have to give up your ability to play a spell this turn because you're wasting your mana on using this creature. So that was another reason why I want to bring it. It's also a cheap and effective card at one white mana. Um, also, it's also cheap card money-wise. Again, it's like 20 to 25 cents for a mint version of the card. So there's that for you too. Um, then I had to figure out, okay, perfect. I've got spells that slow my opponent down, gets rid of their threats, and allows me to get to a point where I get to play my big, my eight different big creatures in the deck. I've got to figure out a way to kind of slow them down just a little bit more. I've got to create an early board game presence. So if my opponent's playing a burn deck or something, or a deck that's just a go-wide strategy with a bunch of smaller creatures, I've got to figure out a way to drop some things on the board to really help defend me. And that's why I went to um, a couple different cards. I, I thought of a blue one and then a white one. Crabs are very easy to do in blue. For one blue mana, you can get very big crabs if you want to. Um, and merfolk and 
You have tons of other things that are like zero fours. This will help stop most things for quite some time in a blue control deck. If your opponent's playing a Goblin Guide, which is a two, two for one, or Monastery Swift Sphere, which is a one, two haste for one, um, your opponent's not gonna be able to really get past your big old creatures that cost you one mana. You're not attacking them with these creatures. You're solely having your creatures there to be a wall, to be a defender against your opponent's stuff. So I started looking at what do we actually have available to us that's pretty affordable. And then Aegis Turtle from Aquaria, Layer Behemoths, that's a common card. Um, it costs, I think it's less than 20 cents. I think it's like 15, 16, 17 cents a piece um, for a, a mint one. So the thing is a 0 4 creature it's a turtle so you got a zero four for one blue mana pretty solid and then i looked on the white side and found one that was actually really good i thought really decent for this deck it was god pharaoh's faithful now this one was like 20 cents a piece and it is a one white mana zero four so whether i get white mana or blue mana i will have the ability to drop one of these creatures onto the battlefield and i think it was god pharaoh's uh, faithful they also have an ability that if your opponent were to, or if you were to play a black, red, or blue spell, you gain one life. The idea behind this, as far as the lore, is that this this white creature was worshipping Nicol Bolas. So if you're playing a spell like a Nicol Bolas Grixis spell, which is red, black, or blue, then you're going to gain yourself a life. But for the purpose of this deck, you're playing either white cards or mainly blue cards. And every time you play one of those blue cards, you are going to gain a life from God Pharaoh's Faithful. That's going to help you out if your opponent's playing a burn deck. If your opponent has already chipped in some damage against you and you want to try and make it to that late game, um, this is a really good card to jump into and use if you want to. And then, so that's got me to eight cards so far, or eight play sets of cards so far. Um, it's up to you on where you want to go, but I figured, you know, I was just going to stick with the rule of nine here. Uh, since I'm playing a control deck, I do want to have like 24 lands if possible, but I need to have some way to kind of filter through my deck or at least find the cards I'm looking for. Oh, my bad. I'm not there yet. Um, actually, no, I am kind of there. I, I decided to go with the rule of 10 now that I think about it. Oh, no, it's still a rule of nine. Still a rule of nine, my bad. So I went with two different cards that were going to help me filter through my deck. And uh, one of them is another one of those creatures with the big old butt, a.k.a. the toughness of three or more for my deck. And that is actually Omen Speaker. Omen Speaker is a very cost-efficient card for what it does. It costs two blue or one blue mana and one of your other colors, so it's two. It has a 1-3 body, so it still has the ability to chip in some damage or get rid of pesky small creatures. But when it enters the battlefield, you get to scry 2. And for those of you that are not aware of scry, which I'm sure you probably are if you're listening here, it allows you to take a look at the top two cards of your library. You can stick them either back on top of the library in any order, or you can stick them to the bottom of your library. So, really decent card as far as fixing it, because let's just say that you have... You know, maybe you have four or five mana already on the battlefield. Let's just say you have five mana on the battlefield. You play Omen Speaker because you don't have any of your big threats. You got all of your walls essentially hanging out here, but no way to actually inflict damage upon your opponent. You can use Omen Speaker to dig deeper into your deck, and let's just say you look at the top two cards of your library, and oh, what do you look? It's an island and a plains. You've got two lands. You can stick both of those bad boys onto the bottom of your library and not have to worry about drawing those in your subsequent turns. That is a very good option. 
So this one plays double duty. It's essentially, it's a wall that gets to hang out there and just, it can attack if you need it to, but it can help deflect your opponent's stuff that they're throwing at you, but help you kind of fix your deck to a degree to find the cards that you need to. Not to mention, let's just say late game again, maybe you have a Sarah Angel or a Air Elemental in your hand right now. And now you're trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't have enough blue mana or I don't have enough white mana. Maybe I've, I've really flooded out. And I've got a ton of this other mana in my hand um, or on the battlefield that I need to find that other piece. That Scry 2 ability comes in pretty clutch if you need it to. Then finally, I decided to go with one more card. And honestly, if I were you, I would maybe find one more. Just do the rule of 10. But for me, I just went with the rule of 9. And I put in 4 Anticipate. Anticipate is a very budget card where you can jump over for two mana at instant speed. You get to look at the top three cards of your library. Now, you don't put them in your hand, you don't draw them, but you look at the top three, and then you determine off that if you are going to um, put one of those cards in your hand, put the rest of them into the bottom of your library. It's almost like scrying to a degree, um, except it's like scry three and then take one into your hand. So it doesn't specifically say draw a card, but it helps you look at the top three cards of your library, and you can put the most important piece out of those three into your hand, which is really nice. Um, and that keeps the deck, I mean, I threw the rest, just I made basic lands for all the rest of them, but it's really kind of up to you. Um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You guys can figure out which other card you want. You know, Opt has gotten kind of expensive, so has... Um, I mean, there's several different cards out here that are pretty expensive nowadays, but, you know, the biggest thing that you're looking at is can you draw cards or can you filter through your deck to be able to find what you need? And so, you know, I would say look for cards like, you know, uh, Anticipate. I don't think Impulse is modern legal, but something like that or Factor Fiction or something along those lines that allows you to look a little bit deeper into your deck, find the pieces that you need to pull out the win. And for me... Anticipate works out pretty well, but you might find some other that are about on the same power level or same cost as well. But that's it. Fill the rest with your islands and your planes. Um, it's a little bit more of an island-heavy deck, so you might want to be playing with a little bit more blue, a few more blue lands. And then, uh, yeah, with that, that is how I decided to go through and build a super-budget, uh, casual, blue-white control deck to kind of get started off with. But let me know what you guys think. Uh, feel free to hit me up at the jhamspecial gmail.com or the jhamspecial on Twitter or the real jham on Twitter. Um, you know, the jhamspecial at gmail.com has gotten a few different people reaching out and same thing with my Twitter page. So I'd love to hear from you guys. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you have some feedback, maybe you have something that you want me to talk about on this podcast as well. Um, like I said, I'm doing a lot of changes with the podcast. And so if you guys want me to talk more about like my digital gaming, be it like my, my video game side of things or other board games or other casual stuff, feel free to let me know. Otherwise, if you enjoy the magic content or you enjoy um, anything else, feel free to hit me up and tell me. Until the next time, you guys be good to yourselves and we'll see you on the next Magic Monday. Bye.